This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. And I'm Lawson Walters, and sitting beside me is Mackenzie McGrath, and we... <laughs> Hello! <laughs> and we are continuing on with our show, with our... Show. Of, of course, you would have heard the interview just then, that was a pre-recorded interview, a bit of a best of, um, bit of Lyle and Monica and whoever they were interviewed, Luke. Um, yeah, it would have been good if I was listening to the interview, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> calling myself out big time. But uh, let's uh, let's go on with the show. Of course, there's no double prizes up for grabs because I got the uh, the, the quiz answer already, but there still is a prize up for grab for, for whoever can answer this quiz correctly. Yes, and the prize is Cooking Up Good Health Recipe Collection by Donna Green Goodman. And the third clue is... Jesus' first miracle occurs in chapter 2 of this book. Ooh, that's a good clue. Yeah. If you know what that is, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you'll get this book completely for free. What number can they text if they want to text in to get the quiz? They can text 0491-064-669. Awesome. But right now, we're going to continue into our Bible study, our Encounter with God section, where we join in on the uh, the 20 million movement uh, that we're a part of, where 20 million people get to, together to study the Bible um, together every single day. And we've been going through the book of Nehemiah, which Ooh. has just been really awesome. People have been really loving it and enjoying it. Um, and we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday while doing some revision. You weren't with us yesterday. So I guess I'll... Uh, uh, go over what we talked about yesterday. So basically, we were in Nehemiah chapter 5. And well, we started in chapter 4, and we went through, you know, the back half of chapter 4, which gave us real context, really set up the scene for what Nehemiah um, chapter 5 is all about. And essentially, Israel, um, well, the whole book of Nehemiah, the context is that they've been allowed to, you know, through Nehemiah, um, the Jews are allowed to rebuild the wall. Of course, it was destroyed. The city was destroyed under the Babylonian captivity. Now, the Persians have come along and they've overtaken, you know, overcome the Babylonians. They're the empire of the world at the time. And they've given uh, Israel the ability, the opportunity, they've decreed to them um, to rebuild Jerusalem. And it starts with the wall. And essentially what we see here is that uh, Jerusalem, uh, the Jews, they're building a wall and Persia's paying for it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Is that a modern day parallel? (laughs) Uh, I I love saying that. But anyways, um, so yeah, Jerusalem, the Jews, they're building, they're rebuilding their wall. Nehemiah is leading that construction. And at the end of chapter four, we saw this just hectic circumstance that, that the Jews are in while they're rebuilding the wall. We essentially see that um, they're under huge pressure from the nations around them to, you know, they're they're trying to stop them, to to thwart the building of this wall to the point where the only way the Jews have the ability to build the wall is that if they just build 24-7, 
to the point where they don't even, uh, the Bible says that they don't even get out of their clothes unless they wash oh, wow. them. They sleep in their clothes. And while they're, you know, scaling the walls with their tools, building it, they have a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. So essentially, they're just like ready to go. If someone rocks up to try and stop them, they're just going to deal with it and just get immediately back to building this wall. They're in this incredibly high-pressure situation. If this doesn't get done, if they allow in any way their enemies to amass against them to, to stop them from building this wall, it's never going to happen. It's never going to go through um, because it's other parts of the empire itself. It's other people who are working, you know, um, as a part of the empire, other nations as a part of the empire that's trying to stop them. Of course, we know from the first chapter that Nehemiah has permission directly from the king to go and rebuild the wall, um, you know, directly from... Uh, who's, who was the king at this time? Was it Artaxerxes? Um... I think it was. I, I, but yeah, King Artaxerxes. He has permission directly from King Artaxerxes to go and rebuild this wall. Um, but, you know, yeah, the nations around them, they're trying to stop them. They're trying to thwart it. And so, yeah, that's just created this incredibly high-pressure situation. But for the most part, they're dealing with it. And they're getting this wall built uh, the best way they can. And then that introduces us to Chapter 5. We see what's going on at the wall. And then we get in a snapshot as to what's going on inside the city. And let's just reread it just to uh, just to get in our, our, our heads what's going on here. If you want to read for us, Mackenzie, um, sure. chapter 5, verses, let's say, verse 1 to 5. And there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brethren. For there were those who said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, let us get grain, that we may eat and live. There were also some who said, We have mortgaged our lands and vineyards and houses, that we may buy grain because of the famine. There were also those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children, and indeed we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards. Mm. So we see simultaneously, while there's this huge... um external pressure, let's say militarily, you know, from the other countries yeah. wanting to stop them building the wall, that they're going to attack them to stop them building the wall. There's a huge external pressure socially. We see here, there's a few things that are going on that we talked about yesterday. There's a, there's a famine that's happening that means that there's not enough food for everyone and they're, they're struggling to have the money to be able to, to buy grain. It kind of works as a two-way street. Not only is there, there a famine going on that is, it is, um, you know, the conditions are making it so it's, really difficult to grow food, but because they can't grow food and they can't sell food, then they have no money to then, if they needed to buy food, you know, import yeah, food and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, so there's yeah, this yeah. huge pressure going on inside the city and they're really struggling. It's struggle street. Yeah, it's struggle street, essentially. Simultaneously, one of the big things that's going on here um, that we talked about yesterday is that... Um, there are also those who said in verse 4, we have borrowed money um, for the king's tax on our land and on our vineyards. So basically what's happened is there's a huge, there's a, there's a tax that goes out. We talked about this yesterday, um, about the tax and how, how much it was. It was about 350 talents of silver annually for each person, which is a very large amount of money yeah. uh, that they had to pay back to the Persian king. And... So, th so with that, you know, tax being imposed on them, they're struggling to 
pay that tax to the point where they're going to measure, you know, they're taking measures such as borrowing money. Um, they're, so borrow- they're, they're getting in debt. Yeah, they're getting in huge debt. So that again feeds into the problem that they're having before of like, oh, we don't have enough money to feed our children. Then Let it's alone like, pay the tax. And then they're like, oh, we have to pay the tax. And so to pay the tax, they're like, oh, so some of us had, had to borrow money. Some of us have had to mortgage our fields and our vineyards. So not only is there a famine that's preventing them from... Um, from growing food on their plant, you know, vineyards, yeah. but they're not even making money from the vineyards that they then have to mortgage so that they have the ability to pay the tax. And then on top of that, um, to the point where some of the, the parents are having to sell their kids into slavery to be able to, to make enough money to pay the tax. So they're very much on struggle street. Yes. They're like struggling. We talked about this yesterday. Um, that yeah, they're in a super heavy situation that they actually don't really have the ability to overcome. It says here that we have no power to redeem them. Yeah. They don't have the money. They don't have the resources to be able, you know, to, to, to buy back their children from slavery. They're, they're struggling. They come with this struggle to Nehemiah. They're like, we need help. Yeah, we're, definitely. We're falling apart here. We talked a little bit yesterday about Nehemiah's response. It says in verse 6 and 7, it says, And I became very angry um, when I heard the out, uh, their outcry and these words. After serious thought, I rebuked the nobles and the rulers and said to them, Each of you is exacting usury from his brother. So I called a great assembly. We went over what exactly usury is. Um, usury is another word. It's an old school word for the word interest. Mm. So basically, the nobles and the kings had exacted a large amount of interest on top of the tax um, to essentially to make money. Yeah. This was common practice, um, not only in this day, um, you know, around the 400 BC mark when this story takes place, but also in Jesus's time, we see someone like Zacchaeus, for example, who yeah, says, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, True. because they're taking, they're not only taking the tax, but they're taking everything from people to, to, to get rich. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit t- today. We talked about, you know, the, the wrongness of interest, but we're going to be talking about some of the other things that's going on here, which you might find interesting that that Nehemiah became angry about. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So we see in verses six and seven that, that Nehemiah, he kind of flips a little bit. He gets really angry and he has a serious consideration. Then he rebukes the nobles over their exacting of usury or over the fact that they're charging people interests. To the po- these people can't live, yeah, essentially. They, they can't afford anything. And then on top of that... They're selling their kids. They're, yeah, they're selling their kids. It's it's hectic. It's insane. And then on top of that, um, yeah, these guys are putting the burden of interest on top of them. And we talked yeah. about yesterday um, about tax collectors and how perce- like evil they were perceived as in the time of Jesus because of this yeah. practice. They, we, weren't they? Because it was like they were considered um, traitors because yeah. a lot of them were Jews, right? Yeah, the they were traitors collectors. of the people. And these nobles here, they were set up by, you know, they were Jews who were set up by the Persians to look over the people. Why? Because they're this, you know, of the same bloodline you know of the of the brethren it's like hey you know who better to use to to oversee 
our kingdom than people actually from these areas. And so these guys are all Jewish. Um, in the time of Jesus, yeah, Jewish tax collectors, they were like considered as, as traitors and extortioners and the worst kinds of people yeah. because of that practice. In fact, we, we talked about yesterday the, the parable that Jesus gives about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Yeah. And he yeah, uses yeah. that Pharisee as like, you know, it's a, it's a contrast. Um, and it's like, oh, the Pharisee, the person who you perceive to be the most holy, he's actually the least holy. And the tax collector, like he doesn't say, he doesn't say like the, the prostitute. He doesn't say this, the Roman Gentile. Yeah. He says the tax collector, the person who you perceive to be the least holy, mm. he is the one who has the, he is the one, you know, who, who, who has, you know, the, he he repented correctly essentially he was yeah. he was the one who was most sorry about what he did and 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 because of that he he repented correctly he he repented for what he did and and now he someone who perceived to be the least holy is now the most righteous yeah so we understand yeah taxing tax collecting is something that uh, is just perceived as absolutely terrible because of that practice yes because yep. the, of the tax collectors were extorting the people for more money. We talked a little bit about that yesterday and we talked about the evils of that and, and um, you know, Nehemiah's response to that. But something that I was thinking about uh, as I was reading this passage and then our 20 million movement gets into is why, why didn't we talk about the fact that like all their kids are having to become slaves? Like as in, in, in terms of like you know, the Jewish nation is having to, the Jews are having to sell their kids into slavery. There's just a number of things going on here that I thought was just like really interesting because they're perceived as bad things. And it's like, oh, if the Jew, like, wouldn't that just, wouldn't that put some kind of partial blame on the Jews who don't have enough money to pay? Because for one, there was, you know, slavery. Secondly, they were, they were mortgaging and getting themselves into large amounts of debt. It's like, What's the go there? And I just wanted to do a little bit of a Bible study on this. I wanted yeah. to, to understand a little bit the go with, with slavery. Um, and why Nehemiah was only mad with the nobles over exacting interest rather than having, you know, forcing people's kids to go into slavery. Yeah. My gears were just turning a little bit with that. I was thinking about it. And I'm like, oh man, what what exactly is the go with this? Why is the only sort of illegal practice that Nehemiah is calling out? interest over over everything else over slavery over slavery and you know it's it's interesting i guess it's a bit difficult for us to grasp today but slavery was something that was ex- was very much the cultural norm in the ancient world and now we can say that pretty easily like oh yeah slavery is the cultural norm in the in the ancient world as was i don't know child sacrifice or something all the nations did it and it was yeah. normal but it was not ideal it was it, it, well, child slavery is definitely something that's not ideal. It's not it's like, ideal. It's like very, very, very inherently evil. Like it's yeah. terrible. Um, but not only in the ancient world, but also when it comes to not child slavery, but um, sorry, not child sacrifice, but slavery. It was something that was actually accepted in the Jewish nation and was socially acceptable. It wasn't really? something that was necessarily bad, which kind of puts me up in arms because like in I guess in our modern context with the whole civil rights movement in America and uh, the Emancipation Proclamation and the Civil War yeah, and we yeah, look yeah, back yeah, at yeah. the history of modern slavery the African slave trade you know the, the terrible awfulness of that of you know um, colonial ships rocking up and just taking all these people against their will from their homes yeah. back you know back to their country and forcing them to be slaves is one of the most you know uh, 
awful, disgusting things you could possibly do. Yeah. Yet at this time, uh, slavery was perceived to be something that was relatively socially acceptable. And that was because um, the slavery that we're talking about was very different from the African slave trade um, and was actually had um, rules and regulations around it that were literally invented by God. Really? This is something super interesting. Um, let's have a look at Exodus. We're going to be looking in Exodus chapter 4. Yeah, Exodus chapter 22, verses 25 and 27. We're going to Exodus chapter 22, and we're going to be seeing... Um, actually, no, sorry, that is the, the wrong text. We're going to be going to Exodus chapter 21, uh, verse... First, we're going to be starting in Exodus chapter 21 and verse 1. Do you want to start reading just in verse 1 and I'll just like cut you off when I'm like sure when we should start talking. Now these are the judgments which which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve 6 years, and in the 7th he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever." And if a man sells his daughter to be a female slave, she shall not go out as the male slaves do. If she does not please her master who has betrothed her to him, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to a foreign people, since he has dealt deceitfully with her. And if he has betrothed her to his son, he shall deal with her accordingly to the custom of daughters. If he takes another wife, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, and her marriage rights. And if he does not do these three for her, then she shall go out free without paying money. Mm. So what we see here is something that was very, very different um, from the African slave trade because these slaves have rights. Yeah. Uh, God gives a bunch of laws and uh, regulations as to how slaves are allowed to be kept. And why? Because God is a God of freedom. God values freedom. Freedom is an amazing thing. Um, but it's interesting here that, yeah, he gives a bunch of rules and regulations, like a slave can only be a slave for seven years. Um, you know, if he comes in married, he can go out married. If he comes in by himself, he goes out by himself. Um, you know, it talks about the the rules for female slaves, about how, you know, they're allowed to be redeemed and go out. If, you know, basically if the master's like, oh, not keen. Um, and But then on top of that, like if the master, so basically it, it's like, oh, if you marry a slave and then if you don't treat her right, she's allowed to leave without paying anything. Like that's that's yeah. that's epic. Like that's fully empowering, and that's because slavery was used at the time, as we see in the context of Nehemiah. Slavery was used as a means to repay debt. Right. That was simply what it existed for. It was like, hey, I've gotten a debt. You know, this is the consequences of my 
frivolous actions or or whatever it may be. You know, we see in Nehemiah that it wasn't frivolous action. It was a famine. It was the tax, you know, and there was extortion that led them to slavery. But ultimately, there was a bunch of rules and regulations that existed around slavery to regulate it that meant that slavery was Okay, and that's why, you know, like when we read about slaves in the Bible, I think the Bible kind of intentionally when the when the English, um, when it was, you know, translated into English in the New King James or the King James or whatever it may be, it often uses the word servant because, it, yeah. you know, in our modern context, we see a slave as just someone who has absolutely no rights and is just doing everything against their will, whereas it was much, much, much different in this context. So would it be the same thing as indebted servitude? Is that like That's basically what it is? exactly what it is. Right. Indebted servitude. So it's basically, I don't have the ability to pay my debts, so therefore I'm going to put myself into slavery for at a maximum seven years um, so that I then have the ability to overcome my debts and come out of it a free man. It says very clearly that you come out of slavery completely free unless you don't want to, unless your master is like an absolute boss dog and you're like, yep, I'll just live with my master for the rest (laughs) of my life. Right now, this is Josh White with Anchor of My Soul. We're going to have more about this uh, after this song. Come before your throne Just as I'm I long to know you More and more I hear you knock, oh Lord I'll open the door Just to be by you And if I want love, I'll come to the cross And if I want life, I'll count this life lost Anchor my soul, don't let me Drift away And if I want peace I'll come to the king And if I want release Then you'll have to be Anchor of my soul Don't let me drift away Jesus I will stay With you Yes I will stay with you Now that I've begun I feel the rays of the sun Father, I'm undone By your glory So let your love shine now I lay my life down Down at your feet I'll come to the king And if I want release Then you'll 
Welcome back to Faith FM. We are uh, continuing on with our our show here today, um, continuing on with our Bible study, our encounter with God. But before you get into the next section, let's do another clue for the quiz. In fact, can you give us two clues? Two clues? You okay. Reckon, you reckon you can smash out two clues? I reckon I can. So the next clue is... The shortest verse in the Bible is found in this book. Ooh. <laughs> do you know what that verse is? Yes. Okay. I do. Okay. Cool. I don't know the, the complete, like, reference, but... I do. Ooh. But I'm not going to say it, because then... Wouldn't want to yeah. give it away. Give it away. I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Um, and the next clue is, this is the fourth gospel in the New Testament. Oh, so, if you go. know what it is... Call us at 1-800-FAITH-FM, that's 1-800-324-843, or you can text us at 0491-064-669. Mm. So then you can win an amazing prize. But let's, uh, let's close off our Bible study today, because I'm driving to a point here. Um, and that point is, well... We'll get there, but we, <laughs> we've seen we've seen so far that so slavery. Um, we we just looked at understanding slavery that it wasn't a big issue at the time. It was socially acceptable and it was something that that people that it, people did. Of course, though, it was casting a huge burden on the people to have to go into slavery to pay back the 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 tax collectors who were charging them interest on money that they had borrowed to pay the tax like yeah, it yeah, was yeah. putting a huge burden on them secondarily i just want to talk about the interest in self just quickly the bible says in exodus chapter 22 and verses 25 to 27 if you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you you shall not be like a money lender to him you shall not charge him interest if you ever take a neighbor's garment as a pledge you shall return it to him before the sun goes down for that is his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that when he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. This is God himself talking. And I think that this is this is super interesting, and this really highlights the problem here. The interest that was being charged on top of you know their tax was definitely nothing compared to it was only one percent it was one percent per month so 12 percent annually which isn't a huge amount okay. of interest a very small amount of interest um and it's nothing compared to the nations around them they're found in the uh you know mesopotamian text from seventh century like bc that where you know people were being charged a hundred percent interest to Oof. be under like the mesopotamian Oof. empire That's and, rough. and like like 200 percent interests and and all this kinds of stuff we know that at around the time of jesus the the tax collectors for rome they were just taking everything that someone had as, yeah and not even calculating it just as as interest they'll just say oh this is interest and just take everything you have like one percent uh, which the Bible tells us in Nehemiah a bit later down in the passage, isn't a huge amount of interest. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, oh, look, if they're all just taking 1%, maybe, you know, because all of the tax that goes to the king is for the king, like 1% of interest just to support the nobles who are taking the tax, like, that doesn't sound like the biggest deal. But we see, we saw in that, you know, Exodus chapter 22 and verse 25, uh, or 26 and 27, the problem with taking interests is that, you know, if you take someone's garment as a pledge, as interest, 
that you need to return it back to him because what happens when it comes to nighttime and he doesn't have anything to sleep in? Yeah. The problem we see here with interest is not interest in it of itself, um, uh, but that in charging interest, it was causing the people to struggle so much. It was causing the people to sell their children into slavery. It was causing the people to be, you know, not have enough food for their children and, and you know, the pressures of the famine and the fact that, you know, like as it's the wives in particular that are calling out, their husbands are away like rebuilding the wall and they're yeah. trying to do all this yeah. stuff and it's like this – the problem with the with the interest wasn't necessarily that it was inherently evil. Interest isn't. They were already struggling. Yeah, it was that they were already struggling. And then the added one percent tax was just like they couldn't handle. It was it. just killing them. Yeah, it was, it was literally killing them. And, and this is something that um, you know the concept that the the twenty million movement's really striving at is this idea of the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. That ultimately, you know paying you know charging them interest and whatnot for what they were doing it was to the letter of the law like it wasn't an evil evil thing to charge them interest in fact it's it's common business practice today like yeah. interest isn't you know inherently an evil thing but it was that it was causing them to struggle so much they're going against the spirit of the law because the spirit of the law you know the bible in james calls the law the law of liberty it's yeah. all about freedom it's all about love and caring for one another and then to use that law to hurt one another to you know to to yeah, to yeah, steal yeah, yeah. and to take from one another it's not the intention of the law it's not the intention it's against what what we call the spirit of the law um you know, because yeah, one percent interest—it's—it's it's not that bad. Like, yeah. but it's just so against you know the context and and what was happening to the to the the people at the time. Like, like if anyone should have been on the side of of the people, it should have been the nobles because yeah. this is their city. They're Jews, you know. They're like, okay, we're gonna, we should be able to do everything that we can to support this wall getting built so that, like, you know, we can have a wall and we can have a city and we can be a real kingdom again. We've been given a golden opportunity to be able to restore our kingdom, yet they were betraying the people yeah. simply because of the love of money. Like, yeah. simply because of sin. We talked about this yesterday. We're kind of, like, from a different uh, kind of lane, from a different angle, catching up to where we got up to yesterday, is that we came to the conclusion that, that ultimately it was because of the for the, the love of money that yeah. the tax collectors were doing this. And and um, Nehemiah, eventually, it says that he, you know, he, he, he really puts it on them. He's like, you guys are, like, selling us out, and you're terrible, and they have nothing to say about it. They're literally, the Bible's just like, and they said nothing for they knew he was right like oh wow they're just like so convicted over the fact that look like we are doing the wrong thing we are terrible people and i think it comes back around to us you know as as christians as people who are trying to follow the lord um in spirit and in truth yeah um, you know i think we look at the ten commandments and we're like yeah like uh, you know i'm ticking the boxes yeah, like yeah, i'm classic, not murdering yeah. people i'm not i'm not um I, i'm not committing adultery and it's jesus who calls that out and says oh well to lust after a woman in your own heart is adultery to 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 hate a brother in your own heart is is murder and that's showing the spirit of the law yeah exactly the intention of why we were given the ten commandments essentially Exactly, because the intention the intention of the law is to lead us to a place where we say, "Oh man, like I don't want to kill people. 
Yeah. I don't want to commit adultery. It's, it's, and it's just an, like, the law will just be incredibly burdensome to you if you're, like, practicing the law and just thinking the whole time, like, oh, I just yeah. wish I could break it. Like, yeah. of course, of course it's going to be hard. Like, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. Yeah. That is like the, the quintessential workspace relationship when you, when, yeah, when you really don't want to be there. When you really don't want to be a part of it, when you really just wish you could go away and not be a part of it, but you're like, oh, I'm keeping it because, you know. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to. Like, that is not a relationship with God. That is yeah. like, that is just. Legalism. Dread. That is like, that makes me shiver down my spine. Like, yeah. that makes me think of, like, that is every toxic relationship ever. Yeah. Just like, oh, I don't actually love this person, but I'm going to stay with them just for the sake of it. Like, like, oh, man, that opens a whole nother can of worms and and, and, and something to say there but ultimately like we need to you know if we want to strive to keep the law it should be coming from a place where we actually love god yeah and it's i i honestly encourage you like anyone who's out there who's struggling with like oh man well how can i love god well i think it's really time for you to 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 stop and to reflect on the things that he's done for you for how amazing he is and and to really get into bible study and prayer and just come closer to him look we don't have any more uh time but thank you for listening this is voices of lee with no longer slaves with a melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no Chosen me.
Seventh day Adventist youth. We meet every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. for an open discussion about Bible topics concerning our youth today. We're open to everyone wanting to join us, and we'd love to see you there. Are drugs or alcohol a problem in your life? Alcohol Drugs Assist, or ADA, is a 12 step recovery program designed to help you escape the hold of addictions in a friendly and judgment free environment. ADA meets regularly, and if you'd like to attend, give Peter a call or text on 0487 907 879. That's 0487 907 879. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Like a picture that's been marred, distorted and defaced. me and I often get the blame my name has been misused given to things I'd never do but the question remains do you really know me do you For yourself Search for me And you will find That my arms Are stretched so wide Full of love For you my child I long For you to be 
me for all eternity. So the question remains: Do you really know me? Do you really know me? Do you really understand how much I love you? And I will do everything I can to show you who I am. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you search with all your heart, like it's true. Do you really know me? I came from heaven's throne and became a human man. I came to show you God and who I really am. I died for all to see just how much you mean to me. The question remains: Do you really know me? Do you really know me? Do you really understand how much I love you? And I will do everything. I will do everything I can. To show you who I am. Welcome back to Faith FM. We are um, coming. We we have come to the question of the day. Man, I'm like all over the place. I'm <laughs> scatterbrained right now. Um, like I'm just just warming up. You know, it's, it was Monday yesterday, Tuesday today. Like I'm sure I'll get better and better and better. Um, but we just quickly before our question of the day, we have another clue for the quiz. Um, what is that? So the last clue. I'll go over all the clues and then I'll say the last clue. Okay. So. The first clue was, I am the only book in the NIV Bible containing the word Messiah. Quote, you diligently study the scriptures because you think by them you possess eternal life. Number three, Jesus' first miracle occurs in chapter two of this book. The shortest verse in the Bible is found in this book. Ooh. This is the fourth gospel of the New Testament. And then the new clue is, I am James, John, or First Peter. So, if you know what the answer is, call us at 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843 or text us at 0491-064-669 and you can get your hands on Cooking Up Good Health Recipe Collection by Donna Green Goodman. Mm, cooking up. I'm, yes, let's, let's get it done. 
please someone call in. You know the answer. I'm sure you do. There's plenty of people listening who know it. I'm sure there is because I believe in you guys. Um, so, yeah, give us a call. But now we've come to the question of the day. What is the question of the day? So this is something that I've been thinking about recently. When you think of like the, the 10 plagues of Egypt, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the last one where the firstborn son of the Egyptians or whoever didn't put the blood on their doorpost thing, the firstborn son was killed. But that was all related to Pharaoh. Like Pharaoh was, because Moses was saying, you know, let my people go. And then Pharaoh was like, nah, not going to do that. Mm. And then that's why the plagues happened because Pharaoh wouldn't let God's people go. Yep. But with the last one concerning the kids that got killed, what happens to them? Because obviously it wasn't their decision to be killed that came up to mm-hmm. Pharaoh. So what happens to them? Are they going to heaven? What? what yeah. What, what's their deal? Mm, that's a that's a really good question. Of course, we're talking about in references in reference to yeah the the Exodus chapter, an uh, Exodus chapter twelve. It gives us a story of basically the angel of the Lord flies over um, the the you know the city of Egypt um, and all the firstborn sons of the Egyptians die. Of course, they're warned about this. They know about this, and yet they they do nothing about it. Okay, so this is a. There's there's a couple different folds, a couple different channels as to where this question goes. I'm going to just start with saying, um, you know, the first one is, okay, what right does God have to kill these guys? Um, Look, it's simply this. Um, Oh, and also, I I guess this goes into, you know, they could have grown up and, like, did they have the choice to really, you know, be saved and and all this stuff? Yeah. Um, God knew that situation. Yeah. you have a town that exists, or a, a city, a country, a nation that exists that promotes the institutionalized genocide of races of people. In in that, in particular, like the Egyptians, um, you know, committing genocide against the Hebrews. We know that they yeah. uh, they did that, and essentially that was Pharaoh pronouncing judgment onto the Egyptians. Pharaoh pronounced judgment, sorry, Pharaoh, not the Egyptians, sorry, Pharaoh pronounced judgment onto the Hebrews by killing all their firstborn sons. And so God judges Pharaoh in the same way. Now, whether those kids will be saved or not, or uh, whatever it may be, I think that, well, the, this, the fact simply is we don't know whether yeah. those individual kids will be saved. I think we can take some biblical principles into that discussion. For example, God judge, judges us on what we know, um, and God knows the heart. So yeah, God true. would, God would judge them and say, you know, I think it's, God would look at them and, and who they are as people and who they could have become as people and, and, um, they'll be judged accordingly. Um, and that in that way, God doesn't take away their ability to have free choice. Um, in the judgment, we're going to be, yeah, I feel like we're going to be going over those answers and we're going to, to understand that. But, but yeah, it is a particularly heavy topic. I think that. Ultimately, God, God is going to do the right thing. And those, like, like all of us, those who, um, those who are judged and found that, yes, like, you know, and again, judgment has nothing to do with, judgment revolves around our works, but we're not saved by our works. We're saved yep. by, um, 
repenting of sin. And now God probably could look at the future lives of these Hebrew, uh, of these Egyptian boys and say, okay, well, they're never going to repent and, and have the right to judgment there and them, there and them on the spot, but it was for Pharaoh's sin. There's a whole kind of, uh, conversation that goes around it, but ultimately I think God's going to do the right thing and we're going to see in heaven. So clearly that. Right now, this is Melissa Otto with Here He Comes. Faith FM, we have come to the end of our show this morning, and we are just so incredibly grateful for you guys listening. Of course, we have a few things to go over. The fact that we have a free giveaway, as do we do, every single day. And what are we giving away today, Mackenzie? We are giving away Image is Everything by Dustin Hall. So if you want three big questions answered, like who am I, where am I going, how do I get there, 
Call in and you can get your hands on this book that will answer those questions for you. Mm, that is amazing. So, yeah, you can call us on 1-800-324-843 or give us a text on 0491-064-669. Of course, we have to remind you guys that uh, we uh, also have our, our quiz is still open, so you can call us for that as well. Um, but... The biggest thing is that we are having one of maybe one of the most important meetings in the history of our radio station is happening uh, this afternoon to decide the future of the Faith FM Breakfast Show. Please, 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 the things that you can do to support us in that is firstly, you can pray for us. We need all the prayer we can get, and we are so appreciative knowing that that people are praying for us. So please, yeah come together in prayer for us and, and pray that this uh, show stays on if you would like to see that. But also, please, um, just send us in any text messages you have, any support, any s- amazing stories about um, how the, the the radio show has impacted you. We've been honestly touched by some of the most incredible stories that people have been sending in about how the, the, the radio show has been impacting their life. Uh, we just want to give a special shout out to, to everyone who's just been supporting us along the way and who has just been... Um, um, yeah, loving our show. We are just so grateful. We also want to remind you guys, if you have any questions or if you have a desire to study the Bible, give us a call on that number 1-800-324-843 and we can get you connected to a Bible teacher wherever you are. This has been Faith FM. More great programming coming up after this.
to conquer though I die Then no way to Jesus On wings of love I'll fly Farewell to sin and sorrow I bid them both adieu Know my friends prove faithful And on your way pursue Shout of glory for I shall mount above the sky And if you lack for knowledge, he'll not refuse to lend. Neither will he upbraid you, though often you request. He'll give you grace to conquer and take you home to rest. Shout of glory for. 